This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. So how, how do you think that <clears throat> plays into the discussion of little L, big L, and someone like um, Nadia Boltz-Weber, if you, if you think it does in some particular way? Gil? Oh, me? Yeah, sorry. Again, working on second hand, mm. I think I'd be favorably inclined, mm. although uneasy. Yeah. When I hear the word of grace, somebody like Nadia, where she seems, again, this may be completely wrong in character here, so well, if I'm going to be wrong somewhere, I'd rather be wrong by showing up and being hospitable and gracious and encouraging and saying, just come. You know, I have a word for you. And it's a word not of condemnation, but of acceptance, forgiveness, of a place. If I had to go one way or another, I'd say, no, you need to make sure you're properly nuanced with all these, these heroin addicts, or, and again, that's in caricature, or just hit them with a fire hose of, of gospel because the bedraggled and the poor are coming to you. Mm. I'd probably, probably, until I'm in a relationship with them, I'd probably go with that route. Yeah. Now it gets pressed in real quick, where suddenly, who are your elders? And, Raising up this body of firm sinners without calling them out of sin. Mm. You know, I, I know all those thorny places immediately come to my mind too. In terms of the preaching. Mm. Is this Paul, when he calls the law a shadow, chiefly talks about the ceremony on judicial laws, but here we are dealing with the moral law or decalogue, which accuses and condemns all of nature. Because of this, it's called the hammer, uh, as it is stated in a proposition. Is that the section that we're trying to find? That's one of them. Yeah, it sounds right. Okay. 29th argument. Uh, I think it's the second. No, 29th of the first disputation. Yeah. Line 31. Against thesis 16. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Pretty short, though. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the places he's. Luther defines what he means by law. Yeah. Yeah. It's against the people who say you're just wielding some amorphous term. Mm -hmm. No, he's saying no. Decalogue is what I mean by the law. It's a very specific. It's a very specific thing, and often those critiques that worry about whether Luther is misusing the law um, are not informed by reading of Luther. <laughs> um, I almost wish you could banish biblical scholars from talking about the reformers. <laughs> um, just speak, I mean, not all, not all of them, but most of them because they don't do their historical work. Yeah. Um, strangely enough, pe people who only read texts for a living are really bad at reading texts all of a sudden when it's... Not taking Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, even yesterday, when we're looking at Galatians, Luther defines law, and, and it's the way Jesus defined the summation of the law, loving God and loving neighbor. Mm -hmm. That's the operative definition Luther's operating on, which is the very thing Christ says is the summation of, you know, the law. So, yeah. Uh, well, they don't. Maybe this is premature, but I wanted to talk about this yesterday, but I figured I'd wait till today. Paul strips it down even further, right? He basically says the law is summed up in loving the neighbor. The loving God is assumed because of our vertical relationship, passive righteousness. So for me, sanctification is worked out in like Galatians 5, faith working itself out in love. So we love neighbor, that's how we, that's sanctification. Is, it's not this neurosis of wondering if I'm pleasing God. You know, it, it's just simply living out your justification in, in such a way that is uh, loving the people in your life. Because you have this, you know, like Micah 6 8, you know, live this certain way. Then Jesus comes and says, Love God, love your neighbor. Paul says, Love your neighbor. Loving God is assumed. Right. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I'm not sure that's a. a an appropriate scriptural move, given the way First John talks about the way to love God is to love your neighbor, and the way to love your neighbor is to love God. Mm. Those are very conflated ideas in First John, and I even think about Jesus doing the same thing with, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. Again, I'm not implying that we have the ability to do so in the law, but I am saying, I'm not sure that it's so easily shorn in Paul or the New Testament that I, I feel like that's <clears throat> Yeah, I did too. When you were saying that how John says, hey, if you love, you know, the love of God is the love, you know. The reason that's a dangerous move is, um, there's all, I mean, I'd go to Paul. I, there's sins I can commit against my own body that might not be direct harm of neighbor, mm -hmm. but that would be harm of my love for God. You could say, well, you're not loving yourself. Your neighbor as yourself. You're still not loving yourself. But I don't think, I think, I think Paul and the New Testament writers, there's two tables of the law for a reason. And I don't think we have to, I don't know, I agree. I don't think we have to be neurotic about uh, keeping score of how much we love God. But I think that that, that merits its own category to, to be rethinked. Yeah, I mean, Luther would say that you only have what comes after the first commandment if you have the first commandment, um, which is fulfilled by faith. Um, so, you know, what does the first commandment mean? It means that we fear, love, and trust God. Right. So that. Um, and then every other commandment starts with, we fear and love God so that we honor our parents. We fear and love God so that we don't commit murder, but we seek the good of those around us and all of that. Um, so yeah, the, the two tables have to be held together. I think, I don't think you were uh, denying that. Yeah, denying that necessarily. I don't think it was 
No, I'm not. I, and I'm not even really affirming the other necessarily. A lot of the things I'm saying are more questions. Yeah, we're working it out. You know, Calvin actually said that the last commandment, thou shalt not covet, works backwards. And not just the first commandment working forward. And by that, he was employing the concept of sin as idolatry by saying anything we want other than God is covetousness. It is greed of something I don't have that is not God, but I want it more than I want God. Right. Uh, which makes, which moves it in the opposite direction as well, um, as far as there are inward things I can want that are not prohibitive, uh, but I want them more than God. So when I say not prohibitive, I mean uh, things that aren't mentioned in the Ten Commandments. I want Tennessee football to win a game more than I want God. Um, that could be an idol in my heart. So it could, yeah, that's the neurosis I'm talking about. And uh, I have so many friends and people I know that live under that, that kind of thing. Like every Super Bowl, you know, it's... Do you love God more than the Super Bowl? You know, <laughs> those are the worst sermons. Yeah. Um, it's like, no, I don't actually, but I do love this. I love football, and I'm going to watch it today. And I'm probably not going to think about God the entire time. That's what I want to say. But. Um, <laughs> But I think there's even an Old Testament paradigm. You know, like, they, they would go to the temple, they'd receive absolution for their sin, and know that that's not the right terminology, but you know what I mean. Um, and, and then they were called, the nation of Israel was called to be a blessing to the people around them. So they, you know, there wasn't a ton about, like, loving God. It was be a blessing, you know, after they, when they are in Babylonian captivity, you know, move in and plant gardens and build houses. And he didn't, like, lay out a, a real strong, you know, make sure you're loving me. Read your Bible. Make sure you're, you know, doing this and this. Everything was for others. I suppose I would just read that as that as being the assumed quantity. Um, that's exactly what I, yeah, what I mean. And that's the only way we can love people, yeah. truly, is that if, because we love God, but we love God because of who we are in Christ. Otherwise, we're an enemy of God. Right. So when people talk about how much they love God all the time, it just makes me wonder if they understand the gospel very well. I, it would make me understand if they... Uh, say the last line again. Made me wonder if they understand sin. Well, yeah, because I get to misconstrue almost everything you're saying and just make it mainline liberalism. Yeah. If I collapse loving neighbor into loving God too strongly, um, then I might as well just say, well, loving neighbor is loving God. And they, the two tables need to stay at the two tables because that's what mainland liberalism does. I mean, honestly. The last line of blame is the loving person is to see the face of God. And that's not necessarily true. Yeah, it's totally wrong. Yeah. What I said, Gil, is that a lot, if you talk about how much you love God all the time, it makes me wonder if you understand the gospel or like 
Corey said where they understand their anthropology. Uh, I know, yeah, I get what you're saying, that it could be then brought over to mainline liberalism, just, you know, serve the poor. And, but we're, we're not working under, we're talking law and gospel, obviously that's going to be there. What I'm saying is, you're talking about active righteousness. Is, it, is that right? Yeah, sanctification. Active righteousness. Follows passive righteousness. Right. Sanctification is horizontal. Mm. The way that it works itself out. Mm. Yeah, the way it appears, would that be a, a verb that would be okay? Sanctification appears on the horizontal. Yeah, the, the, the vertical sanctification is already done. Second Corinthians chapter one. one. We Jesus is our sanctification. So we're already sanctified. We're already justified. We're already good works. I think the vertical and horizontal <clears throat> there gets confusing when you use Lutheran languages because we typically talk about not justification and sanctification there, but justification and vocation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's where I would <clears throat> worry about putting yeah. those terms into that scheme. Um, yeah. Say that again. Why would it be worrisome? Um, <clears throat> because sanctification is a gift of God for you um, that you receive in Christ. Um, sanctification. Sanctification, yeah. So we typically tend to talk more about your horizontal life just as um, living as you've been called to do, where, living where you've been set. Uh, it's, it's kind of playing on Paul's language in 1 Corinthians 7. Um, so to that, to that place where you were called, stay there and do the thing you're doing. Right. Um, and that, that's just, it's part of Luther's opening up of Christian life is not being distinctions and holiness, but... Um, your vocation in life is something that is sanctified by God himself um, so that the monk is not holier than the woman who stays at home with the children um, and whatnot. And that doesn't have, I wouldn't say, an, an extremely clear bearing on sanctification. I don't know if anybody would want to add to any of that. If you... I, I guess I just think about it more simply in the terms of as one is sanctified, um, one does exhibit things like not just loving neighbor, but <clears throat> aspects of piety, that mm -hmm. devotion, whether it's just in worship, I actually feel a little bit more like when I'm singing about I love God or when I'm praying that, I'm actually feeling that a little bit more. I kind of mean it. Yeah, there's something to Godward and not just neighbor word about sanctification. I don't think jeopardizes justification. No. Um. <clears throat> yeah, I was thinking. I was just thinking in categories of Sermon on the Mount, right? Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's redefinition of the Ten Commandments. So he starts with the second table: murder, adultery, divorce. So it's, and it's not just it's not just what it is; it's your intention and what it is. So I think I think evaluating our intentions is an aspect of what the law, what Jesus wants the law to do on us. But then he talks about prayer and fasting and things that really have no bearing on neighbor love. 
But Jesus is saying, your intention here still matters. Yeah. Um, that's where I would just not, I think the first table of the law needs to stay. Because hmm. that's how Jesus does it. Um, to keep rolling, I want to draw together two, two things in this sort of the way Luther is talking about the role of the pastor here. Um, the first is just at the end of the section we read where he says, It is therefore very difficult to be a pastor and provide care for souls. And I myself confess, frankly, that in this matter I have often been disappointed that I have labored and fallen short. I still can't do it, nor am I so strong as to resist the devil. Um, I think that's a nice statement of personal humility, um, just in confessing that as we seek to apply law and gospel to people in the ways that they need it, um, there will be failure. But this, this, this statement is balanced out nicely by something he says elsewhere, which don't worry about turning there. It's, it's addressing the argument that the law is inefficacious without the gospel, therefore you don't need the law. That's what he's He's talking about what he says. Yet the law is still to be taught, the gospel is still to be taught, even if those are few who are touched by the law or sent to or obey the gospel. Since God has established it to convert men and prepare them to receive Christ in this way. Meanwhile, he touches whomever he touches. We cannot do any more. We are servants, not masters, who could teach and move hearts at the same time. Um, And that's... Where's that? <clears throat> That's in the 28th argument of the first disputation. Um, that's been a theme we've come back to, or, or at least hinted at a number of times, about <clears throat> the work of the Word, or the work of the Spirit in the Word, and to what extent it is us, and to what extent it is the Spirit. Um, and it seems to me like what Luther here is saying is there's going to be pastoral failure. You're not always going to get these things right. Um, we need to do what we can to as much as we can, but ultimately we are giving the word over and praying that the Spirit accomplishes it. Um, I think that line is nice, that we are, not, we are servants, not masters. We don't stand over the word in that way, but we simply deliver it. Uh, and I think that should give some comfort or consolation to the pastor yeah. Yeah. Um, rather than anxiety that you know whatever I'm doing may just not work because I have to trust the spirit but rather a sense of I'll do whatever I can um, and then trust that the spirit will, will do, do what it does which is anything that happens Ashley Noel says it similarly we are not shepherds we are sheep dogs hmm. <laughs> I like that That's, That's why I like to work, because if it all depends upon me, you pray like it all depends upon God. <coughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let go and let God. Let that, was, that was the horrible phrase that came to my mind as I was reading let go this. Let go. Just be like the Holy Spirit with people, man. Second, yeah. the second baptism, <clears throat> full sanctification. We can all get on board with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's the bridge between let go and let God is... It's, it's, isn't that Hannah Woodoff Smith, uh, this Christian secret to a happy life? It's, it's out of the Holy Spirit, late 1800s. I don't think God, he'll make, we made perfect. Mm-hmm. Surrender, that's where surrender language kind of makes its way into evangelicalism. Mm-hmm.
Of course, dog and me let go and lose God. That's what Luther would say. I think that's like that's like that's like the one thing that's gonna stick with you from this week. I learned from this last year. You can lose your <laughs> That's so depressing for me. <laughs> God is the devil, Aesop and you can lose your faith. We haven't talked about God as devil yet, so you never went there. We did. We did. Yeah, we did. It was a brief thing. Yeah. Well, we did, but we didn't <laughs> die. But you yeah. wanted it. I do. I love that part. <laughs> we'll, we'll let the devil diving all be left to you. There we yeah. go. It's good. I like devil diving. <clears throat> um, we've come to an end of, I think, the talk of repentance as sort of a discrete topic into it itself. Uh, even though you can't leave it behind. What I want to move into now is talking about the simile. Um, and Before we could I just, do you mind if I ask you just to summarize what you think are most uh, kind of the touchstones of Luther's doctrine of repentance? Mm. I, I guess I don't know how to say it um, in any longer of a way than to say repentance is something that happens to you every day. It's the work of the law and the gospel on you every single day to show you your sin and your need and then immediately afterwards for the gospel to say you are loved and you are forgiven for the sake of Jesus Christ. Um, and th it's that freedom that you receive from the gospel um, which allows you to repent and to seek to mortify the flesh. Um, to amend your life, as it were, even though we can't trust to progress because every day we'll start right back where we were um, in remembering baptism. What there, is Luther's phrase? And so we go back to where we, we go back to the beginning. Mm. What was the phrase? We have to, to, to progress is to return to the beginning. Mm. Something like that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <clears throat> I mean, people always get in trouble when they try to draw um, what sanctification looks like right. in the Christian life. But, you know, it's typically this, this, this point of, I've received the word, and this is sort of baseline of life, and now I kind of go up. Like, right. um, you tend to talk with Luther more about, here's baptism. I'm coming back to it and tomorrow I'm coming back to it. And maybe there's this sort of very minute ways in which this one way in your life, you're starting to cope with things in a different way. But then the next day, it's worse. You know, um, There will be ways that parts of your life will get better and parts of it will get worse. But you're just stuck in this circle every day. Christ is the center of baptism. Christ is the center. You were hidden with Christ in God. In that That's the thing. I don't want anybody to take any pictures away from this. But it's just that idea of <clears throat> we return to, to repentance every single day because as sinners, as old Adam, um, but as those who have been renewed in Jesus Christ, we will fill pulls in new way to go um, mortify the flesh in, in whatever it is, um, be it. So are, do you, I mean, are we having a full-blown sanctification conversation? No, not yet. Okay, all right. Because um. <laughs> the, the text I want to turn to now um, is one where I think we have to have 
the question on our minds of, we are simultaneously sinners and righteous, but in what way is that new life here and now? Um, and in what way is this um, an eschatological reality? And, in, and how do those two things relate, as it were? Um, I keep heaping questions upon questions towards you. but um, So what I want to turn to is pages 161 to 162. Can you reference that? I almost brought the Latin, but I figured most people wouldn't. Um, so it's the 10th argument of the fifth disputation. Okay. So I guess it's actually page 160 to 162. These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one week or semester length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.